Hi, I'm Bill Deverell. Welcome to Western Edition Season 2, L.A. Chinatown. The past, the present, and the future. In this first episode, we ask our partners and friends, what is Chinatown? Chinatown to me, it's a place where the Chinese gather from the very early beginning. To me and to many others, Chinatown is home. It's an incredible place where it is today, but the potential of it is just amazing. This seems like a simple question, but the answers frame a space that is real and imagined, historical, of the present, and of the future. Both born of racial restrictions and spaces where families and friendships form, a space both commercial and domestic, specific to LA, and found in cities across the United States. The Chinatown in downtown Los Angeles is the city's most historic Chinese community. About 37,000 people call it home. Chinatown was a real designation when I was growing up. And all through my growing up years, clear up to high school and going to college. Pat Lem Suhu was born in Los Angeles in the 1930s and is the matriarch of the Suhu family, which has been in Chinatown for generations. So it was a place to go, and family was there. The Suhu side was there, so we would go for that. It was a comfortable place to us. And even as a teenager, when it was, you know, really not very many people came after World War II because people went out to the valley and wherever, it was still fun. We, you could walk through Chinatown at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, my girlfriend Delma, my best friend from kindergarten. You could walk anywhere. We would, your mom and dad could care less where you were. You were in Chinatown. Uncle David was night watchman. So it was safe. It was just a very easy place. For the rapper, poet, and activist Jason Chu, Chinatown is a place shaped by larger social and political forces. You know, these zones, these areas, they don't exist without certain histories, you know, histories of redlining, histories of Chinese exclusion, waves of anti-Asian violence. Uh, and to me, Chinatown, I don't even want to say symbolizes because it's not a symbol, it's a reality, right? Chinatown is the reality of elders who don't speak English. And this is a place where they live out their lives. Pat and Jason help us to answer this larger question of what is Los Angeles's Chinatown through memories that stretch from childhood to the present. LA's Chinatown, or really its Chinatowns, as we will explore throughout this season, are part of a much broader community of Chinatowns across the United States. I reached out to Will Gao to better understand the question, what is Chinatown? Will is a fourth generation Chinese American and a professor of ethnic studies at California State University, Sacramento. He's been thinking, writing, and making films about Chinese American identity, Chinatowns, and Chinese American history for over two decades. I had connections with the community and uh, a number of my Chinese American relatives uh, lived there. So my, all of my grandfather's brothers and sisters ended up moving to, to Los Angeles when he moved to San Francisco. And so uh, when I think about like my Chinese American identity, like LA was a place that always, always spoke to me. So this kind of interest in LA is both kind of like an academic one, um, but also a personal one. Will says there are at least three ways of answering the question, what is Chinatown? Academics cannot agree on what Chinatown actually is. And so it seems to be that there is a split, partly by disciplines. So sociologists tend to look at Chinatown as being a set of, of social connections between members of the Chinese American uh, community and that as defining Chinatown. And then you've got the historians. And most historians tend to think of Chinatowns as neighborhoods. And so 
historians would say that a Chinatown is a physical place, a geographical place, and that it contains both Chinese Americans and non-Chinese American residents and, and, and workers. In my mind, the most sophisticated definition of a Chinatown comes from the geographer Kay Anderson. And Kay Anderson talks about Chinatown as being a site in the social imagination and, and, and the kind of like popular imagination of, of North America. But you've got these three definitions of Chinatown being an idea, Chinatown being a kind of set of organizational principles connecting Chinese Americans that are maybe spread out around a geographic area, and then finally a, a definition which defines it particularly as a, as a neighborhood. An imagined place, a defined geographic location, and a community defined by its residents. Let's explore these meanings and definitions of Chinatown. In the 19th century American West, the dominant white society viewed Chinese immigrants as so foreign that they couldn't be assimilated and therefore as threats to white economic and cultural power. In defining Chinatown as real, defined neighborhoods, as bounded spaces, Anglo-Americans hoped to contain the perceived threat of Chinese immigration. Beth Lou Williams is an associate professor of history at Princeton University. I think in general, Chinatown was an imagined space, a space that was often, in my sources at least, imagined by white Americans in the American West in particular, and by state and local governments, police forces, public uh, health departments, people like that. And when I say it's an imagined space, I don't mean that there weren't communities, ethnic enclaves where there were large numbers of Chinese people living together. The reason why it feels so imagined to me is because the term was used to describe so many different spaces. Some of these spaces like San Francisco, there really was a very large Chinese enclave living together in a segregated area. But I also see the term Chinatown used when we're in tiny towns, you know, Sonora uh, in Tuolumne County or Nevada City. And there, Chinatown might just be one block where three residents lived. So I think the way in which this was imagined as a racial space um, is really striking to me. What work is that description doing for the dominant society to just say, see those three buildings over there? That's our Chinatown. Yeah, I think it's a lot about how the, the racial landscape of the West was imagined, you know, and the idea that Chinese were effectively segregated, that they were separate and that they could stay other, did a lot of really powerful work. I mean, so much of the sort of racial animus towards the Chinese was centered around the idea that they couldn't become Americans, they couldn't become citizens, but they also just couldn't adopt American values and culture. And I think that imagining them as physically separated did a lot of that work. Even if in that separation, let's take some of these small towns, it might be a separation of a couple of dozen yards, right, from the dominant society structures. Yeah, and of course people move, right? The yeah. buildings yeah, move, exactly. but the people move, they cross the street. Uh, so that's why it feels so imaginary. Um, even though it's imaginary, of course, it had a lot of really important impacts. I mean, one of the things that I look at in my work is Sanborn fire insurance maps. I think it's really interesting when they surveyed Western towns, they would mark which buildings were occupied by Chinese. The Sanborn Fire and Insurance Company would insure against fire. They did so across the United States in many towns. 
10 cities, you know, sort of literally putting them down on the map. And they did not do this for any other ethnic group or racial group that I found in any towns or cities. But I think there's an example of how this mattered, you know, by marking certain areas Chinese occupied, they were marking these areas as at greater risk for fire, as more expensive to insure, as sort of these less desirable places in these towns and cities. In the 20th century, Chinatowns became popular tourist destinations, where white visitors expected to be able to experience and consume certain popular notions of what it meant to be Chinese and Chinese-American. Back to Will Gao. I'm working on a book right now on, on LA Chinatown, and one of the things that I'm, I'm contending in my book is that Chinatown is actually defined in part by its performative aspects. What I would contend is that there are certainly Chinese-American ethnic enclaves, um, but when we think of something called a Chinatown, Chinatowns are deeply embedded in the ways in which Chinese Americans were forced to kind of perform identity for white audiences, uh, mainly through tourism. Um, but they're also connected to broader popular culture through things like Hollywood and literature try to perform certain notions of, of Chineseness. Chinatown is a popular backdrop for Hollywood, but it's often depicted in stereotypical tropes as exotic, mysterious, and dangerous places. There are dusty antique shops, which sell strange objects, like in Gremlins. Hey, wait a minute. What's down here? This is it. This is your grandfather's store? Yeah. Come on. No wonder you gotta drag people in off the street. Or Chinatown is portrayed as an underworld filled with brothels, opium dens, gangsters, and black magic, like in Big Trouble in Little China. All I know is this low pan character comes out of thin air in the middle of a goddamn alley while his buddies are flying around on wires cutting everybody to shreds and he just stands there waiting for me to drive my truck straight through him with light coming out of his mouth. Jack, please. And then there's the metaphorical Chinatown, filled with shadowy organizations, a place where laws don't matter. Forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. Chinatowns have a long history in the popular imagination. But there's a second definition of Chinatown as geographical place, neighborhoods and communities where Chinese immigrants created and sought economic opportunities, built community, and tried to escape persecution and racial violence. Discriminatory zoning ordinances and policies also sought to define Chinatowns geographically. Li Wei Yang is curator of Pacific Rim Collections at the Huntington Library. Chinatown to me, it's a place where the Chinese gather from the very early beginning. How early would that be in LA? I would say the 1850s and 1860s. A lot of these early Chinese were laborers. They were attracted by job opportunities here, whether to work in agriculture or maybe they were cooking for wealthy families. They were doing a whole range of wage work. Um, and because at the time there was in here in the American West in the early days, there weren't many women around. And so a lot of things such as cooking, a lot of things such as laundry work, uh, there were a lot of openings, a lot of opportunities. And for the Chinese, for them, they saw the opportunity for them to make money, to, to go into Los Angeles and to gain a foothold in the community as well too. And so to me, Chinatown was a place where the Chinese gathered. 
for various reasons、uh, to avoid violence, to avoid persecution, and also to seek safety in numbers. When we talk about Chinatown today, we're thinking about a very specific locale. But at the time, Chinatown was a place that can be here in LA, it could be in San Francisco, it could be in mining towns in Northern California. That's where they got together and is and slowly developed their communities there. So that to me is what Chinatown is. So sort of pushed there by discrimination and racism, but also pulled there. By the opportunity for racial, ethnic, and、uh, immigrant solidarity. Exactly, and so Chinatown, to me, became a refuge for these、uh, Chinese laborers, for these Chinese immigrants who came over to the United States, who didn't have any sort of rights. They did not have the right to vote, and they had to get together in order to ensure that their safety、uh, is ensured in a community of their own. From their roots in the 19th century, Chinatowns emerged as places where Chinese immigrants lived apart from the rest of society. But it was also a place of common ground and shared values. This is the third definition of Chinatown, one created by social connections. May M. Nye teaches Asian American Studies and History at Columbia University, and co-directs the Center for the Study of Ethnicity and Race. Chinatown is both. A site of segregation and isolation on the one hand, but a place of community and solidarity and sustenance on the other hand. So I think we have to think of it as both those things. Even when Chinese were segregated into Chinatown, not every Chinese lived in Chinatown. In San Francisco, it was very hard for Chinese to own property outside of Chinatown, but Chinese went to. Oakland and to Berkeley, you know, there are middle-class Chinese who bought homes in white neighborhoods in the East Bay or in other towns. So it wasn't confined absolutely, right? But it's also, you know, the center of Chinese businesses, Chinese cultural organizations, the traditional family and district associations, the schools, churches. You know, so it's a real community. It's Got its own class and social hierarchies, you know, its own politics. So it's a real place. Many of the folks we talked to shared how Chinatown's spaces are central to family and community, memories and celebration. Chinatowns serve generations of communities, including those who live within their boundaries, and an extended network of family and friends. Beth Lou Williams at Princeton University reflects. So my family, my Chinese family, is in San Francisco,、uh, and so I still journey back. They live just outside of Chinatown on Russian Hill. Still, when we go back and visit, the way that we gather as a family is a Chinese banquet in Chinatown, and there is something amazing about it. I think my Chinese family has been in the country since the 1890s, so a very long time, many generations of migration. There is something beautiful to the continuity of being in the same place that Chinese and Chinese Americans have gathered for you know over a century, gathered together as family. Eugene Moy has been a leader in efforts to maintain that continuity through preserving Chinese American places and Chinatown histories. He's been an active member of the Chinese Historical Society of Southern California since 1976. And has been involved in public history and historic preservation for decades. To me and to many others, Chinatown is home, and it's where I was born. Of course, but it's a place where one comes to connect with people from the community, to enjoy 
all of the, the social and economic and political networks that we have here. So uh, we come here for food. We come here for uh, family. Uh, I had my, my grandfather and two of his brothers were here uh, on the maternal side. I've had uh, aunts and uncles and cousins who lived here. Uh, I've come to weddings, uh, not only for my own, but for friends, uh, for those of friends. Uh, and then over time, as I became involved with community organizations, whether it's the Historical Society, Chinese American Citizens Alliance, or the Chinese American Museum, or others, we, my friends and colleagues, are part of this big network of people who help define our Chinatown. We are various organizations who believe in the, uh, the history, the contributions, and the future. Navigating histories and memories in the present can be filled with complex emotions. Award-winning novelist Lisa C's family has lived in Los Angeles for generations. She feels emotionally connected to Chinatown, and her memories hold both joy and sadness for what used to be. And the part that I spent so much time in as a child, it's really gone. So I can walk along Spring Street and I can see where the Sam Singh Butcher Shop was and the International Grocery was, and I have these very specific memories of, of that as a child. But of course, it's gone now. So for me, there's this sadness that's associated with it. So I do have this connection to family, and I think a lot of people have connection to family that was there and is no longer there or still hanging on. John Suhu is a fifth-generation Chinese-American. He's Pat Lam Suhu's nephew. His family's roots nearly date back to the first Chinese immigrants in the 19th century. And he has one of the coolest jobs ever, the L.A. Dodgers team photographer. For him, Chinatown is also about reinvesting in family history. Well, it means more now because of the building my family is um, part ownership of, the Suhu Leung building, which uh, where Pearl Robodelli is, and, uh, and the little shops are going into place here. And my niece, uh, Caitlin Bryant, has been you know, instrumental in reviving our little neighborhood there. We spoke with Caitlin Bryant about her work in Chinatown, which combines her love for the family business and her experience in the hospitality sector. It's an incredible place where it is today, but the potential of it is just amazing. And I, I don't know very many other areas in Los Angeles that really pay a respect to the history of what they've gone through and celebrate it by really generating something great for the community and for the area. And I think that's where I started throwing out all these ideas just because of a, of a desire to just help kind of clean things up and make it a more desirable place and a better place for the community. If I'm able to have the resources, unfortunately I don't have as great um, investment and funding skills like my great-grandfather did, but I'm going to figure it out. But you know, it, there's, there's just so much more heart that I think more people should be giving to Chinatown. It has an incredible soul, but it needs some TLC to keep the longevity. Eugene Moy of the Chinese Historical Society has been committed to providing this TLC and to preserving the past. 
even as Chinatown transitions into the future. The community is always dynamic, organic. It's constantly changing. And sometimes the media might try and condense it into something that's packageable and can be easily repeated so that others can understand it. But if you're in the community, you'd recognize that it's never the same. So, you know, what might be identified publicly one moment might be different the next, just simply because our community is constantly changing. If you really look at the origins of early Chinese, many came here because of political and economic and uh, social strife back home. They came here, found opportunity, sometimes successful, sometimes not. But the same thing applied to all of the other communities who arrived here, the Italians, the French, you know, the Latino. Many elements of the community are really not as clearly defined or well understood as you would think they were. So, you know, there might have been a perception a century ago that, that Chinese were laborers, you know, people who could come and do backbreaking work. But when you look behind the scenes, you see that there's much more to understand within the community. And the same applies for all the other communities too. So what we try to do when we do our documentation or do our research is we really want to get a, a clear understanding of who's involved and what they're thinking. You know, that we are not a mass group of minions who just come here and do things. It's a community of human beings who interact and grow and become successful in many endeavors. So that's the kind of dynamic story that we're trying to tell. Sissy Tran serves the low-income residents of Chinatown through her group Southeast Asian Community Alliance, or SICA. For her, Chinatown is a test of how cities respond to the crises of our time. For me, Chinatown is a neighborhood that isn't just historic, but it's social, cultural, economic, and environmental. I think that it is a cultural hub, but it's also a place where people go to get access to affordable housing and access to jobs if they don't speak English. So it's an employment center just as much as it is a cultural center for low-income Chinese and Southeast Asian immigrants. I think that it is a bellwether for where this country is going, whether we want to be able to do what's right racially, economically, environmentally or whether we're gonna just allow everything to fall to pieces. And what I mean by that is Chinatown's an interesting neighborhood in that it is among the lowest income in the city. And so for me, a lot of our housing work is homelessness prevention work. Last year, we provided rental assistance to some seniors who couldn't afford a $4 rent increase and wrote rent checks for households that were paying as little as $192 a month. But it's also an opportunity for the city to really think strategically about issues around economic development of low-income communities in a way that isn't gentrifying. For Jason Chu, Chinatown's a place where history and opportunity come together. LA Chinatown is fraught 
because it's a place in transition and transition can mean displacement transition can mean opportunities i rejoice when i go there and i see friends small business owners community members who see chinatown not as a blank canvas but as a playground you know i think that's the difference i think a lot of people look at chinatowns and they see a blank canvas they say oh there's vacant storefronts so we can make it whatever we want but i think that's not looking deeply enough especially because of pandemic sure some some storefronts may be vacant some lots may be open but again there's still these lives that are there this isn't a blank canvas we're jumping into a space of people working and and living and they have their dreams and they have their needs there's something about people of chinese descent coming to a place and building something in response to and in defiance of pressures where i see that spirit of resilience and mutual care and aid of people who come in and are building something together that to me is where i find chinatowns real and imagined los angeles's chinatowns of history the present and the future are living places reflecting rich community formation commercial and familial and there are also critical conversations about past and present day anti-Chinese racism. I'm Bill Deverell. Coming up on the next episode, we walk with Laura Dominguez through Old Chinatown and learn more about the Los Angeles anti-Chinese massacre of 1871. And we'll ask, how does the community and the city of Los Angeles plan to honor those victims and share this history more broadly? In some ways I think that's LA encapsulated that we have these beautiful romantic spaces that are layered and built upon bloodshed and violence and exclusion and racism and maybe this event more than any other kind of encapsulates that. If you're interested in seeing images related to today's episode, please visit our website at dornsife.usc.edu/icw. Western Editions team includes Avishai Artsy, Katie Dunham, Greg Heiss, Jessica Kim, Elizabeth Logan, Olivia Ramirez, Liwei Yang, and Stephanie Yi. Western Edition is a production of the Huntington USC Institute on California in the West. Thank you for listening and be well.